Eagle Eye in the Sky is fueled by Gatorade, the official sports drink of the Philadelphia Eagles. Anything that moves, I don't care who it is. Just do Give me everything you got. Play fast, play hard. Let's beat these boys tonight in their house. It's party time. It's party time. Let's go. Touchdown! You're listening to the Eagle Eye in the Sky podcast. Now here's your host, Brand Duffy. That's right, another week, and we are talking RPOs today as the Eagle Eye in the Sky podcast, fueled by Gatorade, continues. I'm Fran Duffy, and as always, I think we've got a great show for you here on episode number 180. At the top of this week's show, we've got Chalk Talk, where I chat with ESPN analyst Matt Bowen about RPOs, run past options, but not what they look like on the offensive side, but how are defenses trying to react and stop the run pass option. We're going to talk with Matt, who just brings an excellent wealth of knowledge because of his experience both at the professional, college, and high school level in trying to stop RPOs. We're going to go with how to stop the run pass option from A to Z. Let's not waste any more time. Let's get to my chat now with Matt in Chalk Talk. Let's get down to business. It's time for Chalk Talk. Well, I'm fired up to welcome in Matt Bowen into the show to talk about RPOs and how to defend them. And Matt, uh, welcome back to Chalk Talk here on the Eagle Eye in the Sky podcast, fueled by Gatorade. We're going to talk a little bit about how to defend RPOs. Remember, that was the buzzword going into the NFL uh, season last year, but really I want to talk about how to defend them. And before we get into that first, if you don't mind, just give us a quick definition, your terms, of what uh, an RPO is and what uh, fans can look for when they see it on the field. Right, and an RPO is a run-pass option, and it's different at every level, Brent, you know, from the high school and the college game to the pro game. Now, the best way I can say it is a lot of it is based off numbers in the box. That's the first thing to look for as a fan is how many defenders are in the box. You know, we talk about, uh, you know, NFL run defenses, eight defenders in the box or seven defenders in the box. That all plays to your run-pass options because, as we're seeing more in the NFL, it's not old-school pro-style stuff. You can look at the Philadelphia Eagles. A lot of trips, three-by-one, a lot of two-by-two that sometimes looks like a college spread offense. So as a quarterback, he comes to the line of scrimmage, he counts the numbers in the box. And there's pretty basic rules. If there's five defenders in the box, you are handing the football off. Why? Because you have numbers at the point of attack. If there's six defenders in the box, you're going to read a defender. And that's called the conflict defender. That can be a linebacker off the ball. That could be a safety roll down. That could be a nickel back. That could be a star back. A lot of different players, but you're going to read that sixth defender. If there's seven defenders in the box, usually quarterbacks are told we're going to throw the football because now we have numbers outside. Whether you're throwing a bubble screen outside and you have three on two on trips, you're throwing a tunnel screen outside, you have two on one versus two, two wide receivers, two defensive backs, and one of the defensive backs is in off coverage. That gives you a numbers advantage to the point of attack. The first thing I've always told people with RPOs, even with my high school defensive backs, is that quarterback is going to count the numbers. He's going to look for the numbers advanced, and that's where, the, that's where the football is going. What more and more teams are trying to do is to take that away. And I think the best way that teams do it, you know, when you're talking about defensive football, whether at any level of the game, you can play split safeties, friends, as you know, or you can play single high safeties. And the number one thing and the best way to take away an RPO, the best way to take away anything from a defensive perspective, is put a safety in the post and play man coverage. Because what that eliminates is eliminate space for the quarterback and the offense to put defenders in conflict. It forces defensive players to play with, I just play wide because they're covering a man. 
And that allows you also, I use the term cover down with my defensive backs. When you cover down, when you can cover up trips with three defensive backs or two defensive backs and a linebacker, same with two-by-two sets. Now you are taking away that advantage for the offense. It also allows you to get to the, the numbers in the box you want. But what as we've seen, and the number one team I always use when I'm talking for a talking point with this is Doug Peterson the Eagles offense. What have they done? How have they countered man-to-man coverage? They have built in man beaters into their RPO schemes. So if they want to take the numbers outside, they will run slant flat to create a rub or a pick situation. They will run man, you know, pick routes or rub routes, everyone describe them, and that allows them to beat man coverage. And that has really put, you know, defenses now in conflict because in the past, you said, okay, we'll play man coverage. And if we play man coverage, we can take away the routes outside. It gives us numbers in the box. Now we're not in conflict. Now we're not giving up space in the open field for them to read us. But the Eagles said, okay, you want to play man coverage? We're going to run man beaters, and we're still going to run our RPOs. But before you get to everything else, Fran, I think the, you know, the number one thing I always say with RPOs is it comes down to fundamentals, too. Because we can get up on a chalkboard, and we can teach RPO defenses and play trap coverage and how to play the stick versus the inside zone, all the different RPOs we see. Number one thing is fundamentals. You know, start at the second level with your linebackers. You have to have controlled read steps, a bigger scope of vision with your eyes, so where you can play a stick route. And for the fans out there, a stick route is usually run for a you know, two-by-two or three-by-one. The stick route is five yards and break to the outside, five yards and quick sit down. That's a stick route. And what offense are doing is put defense in conflict by running inside zone plus the stick. They're going to read that inside linebacker. That inside linebacker comes downhill, they're going to throw the stick route. He sinks immediately, they hand the football off. So you want to be able to teach your linebackers, okay, you want to have controlled read steps. Well, you're not playing too fast. You're not playing out of control. You can play both run and pass. You can feel that receiver behind you, read through the mesh point, and be able to drop back and take a quality, solid angle to the football. The next thing, Fran, tackling. Tackling, we don't talk about it enough in, in, in any defensive discussion. But if you want to throw a slant route, off an inside zone, that's fine. We'll tackle. We'll go on to the next play. You want to throw a pop pass, I call it pop pass. This is a quick inside seam. That's fine. We'll drive downhill and play it, and we'll tackle. You want to throw a bubble screen, we'll pursue to the football, and we will tackle. I don't think RPO should beat you. I don't. I don't. If you give up three or four RPOs a game, I don't think it should beat you defense because that should be a less than 10-yard game. You should tackle and move on to the next play. You're much more worried about giving up the deep ball. Giving up the deep ball, that gets you beat at any level of the game. But giving up a pop pass, a slant, a bubble, a tunnel screen, a stick out, I can live with that. And there's ways to defend that. And see, this is why I wanted to bring you on the show because, yeah, obviously, look, you you bring so much insight. You study the game at all three levels, uh, and you know, for everything you do uh, with NFL matchup and studying the pro game. What, let me ask you this question. Which team do you think has done a, a, as good a job as anybody in terms of being able to defend the RPO? Has that been something that, that has stood out to you over the last couple of years? Well, I think last year, look at the top defenses. I start with the Chicago Bears and what Vic Banjo did last year. And they played a lot of split safety. You know, played some single high in Chicago, too, but a lot of split safeties, quarters coverage. What the Bears did, uh, and whether it was versus RPOs or just mm-hmm. – you know, play action from the Rams, is they, play, they play match coverage. And what match coverage is, as I try to explain it to people, is anyone who's played basketball, 
They just played a 2-3 zone versus a 2-3 matchup zone. They're different, right? 2-3 zone, anyone who's watched Syracuse over the year, you know, Jim Beheim, they're going to play 2-3 zone, right? The teams that play matchup zone, they're going to, it's a zone where you're going to match the defenders in your area. And that's what the Bears did, did, did so well this year, especially on inside team routes in their quarters coverage. They weren't just spot dropping to an area. They were running with that team. They were taking their linebackers underneath to match the running backs in the flat. You saw that in the Sunday night game against the Rams last year. Leonard Floyd matching the Todd Gurley underneath. Them carrying the seams inside the safeties, playing very aggressive football with flat foot reads. And a flat foot read, which I think helps defend RPOs, and when the safeties, because you see this a lot with high school players, what happens when the ball snaps? They backpedal out of there at 100 miles an hour, right? They don't want to get beat. Okay. Well, then it's going to open the window to throw that inside pop pass or inside slant versus quarters off of an RPO all day long. So you have your safety sit. Put your feet in cement. And use your eyes. Read through, read through the mesh point. Then, you, if it's a, then if it's a pass, then you start to shuffle and get your eyes outside of number one and play your responsibilities. If it's a run, they hand it off. Now you come downhill and fill the alley. There should be no wasted movement. And that's what you saw a lot from the Bears this year is their defensive backs are very aggressive. The linebackers or, or slot corner would match underneath versus RPOs, and they would eliminate that. If someone did throw an RPO on them, a stick out, their safeties would drive downhill and wrap up and tackle. So it wouldn't really, it wouldn't be someone throws an RPO and they gain seven yards, and man, who cares? <laughs> I mean, I'm just going to be honest. If they get seven yards on us, oh, they got us. What? So what? It's second and three. Well, all right. Let's win the next down. Let's get the third down. That's what the Bears did a lot. Um, is to take that away. Other split safety coverages. And it's tougher, uh, Fran, it's tougher to play RPOs out of split safety. It's a lot tough, especially out of trips. You're vulnerable versus number three vertical. Okay. Number three vertical in trips versus quarters, whether it's an RPO or a drop back pass, you're vulnerable there. So what the Bears did, a lot of teams have done in the past, and what I've seen at, at the lower levels, is they're going to take their free safety and push them strong. Okay, so they're going to take their weak side safety and push them to number three. Now you can take away that inside pot pass. You know what? If he does catch it, you're going to have safety coming right to his chest plate to use his shoulder pads and wrap up. So if he is going to catch the ball for eight, eight yards, you're going to put a quality hit on him. He might dislodge the football. And then that receiver is going to go back to his quarterback and say, I don't really want to run that anymore. You know, right. his safety, he's biting on it. He's biting on it. Either I'm going to get knocked out of the game or he's going to pick it off. All right. Now, what, where does that make you vulnerable? Always understand, you know, the listeners out there, when you take something away, you're going to be vulnerable somewhere else, correct? So if you're playing quarters coverage versus three by one, and you're using that free safety, that weak safety, to push number three to take away any inside vertical or, or an RPO, take away the pop, your backside corner is on an island now. Okay? So you have to understand that. That backside corner uh, is going to be on an island. It's what teams have done. They take that backside corner, they put them in solo coverage, in quarters technique, and line them up in an inside check. They say, okay, I don't have much help. But the free safety can still react. If the quarterback opens his shoulders to the weak side, you still have time to react. But what you want to do with that backside corner now, because he's in solo coverage, is take away any inside breaking route by your leverage. You know, if they throw a fade route, you have to compete for the football. They throw a backside gift, and we run that at the high school level, the offense I coach, out of our RPO. We'll have a trips RPO. Three by one will work the front side of the formation. If our quarterback likes the backside matchup off the inside zone action, he will throw a gift. And the gift is based on opponent. It could be a fade. It could be a slant if that corner is playing outside. 
it can be a pulse corner if you think you have time to throw it, especially in the red zone. But that's where you're going to be vulnerable. Now, what we have done, Fran, at the high school level, and I know people say, oh, it's high school football. Well, I'll tell you this. High school football, you see RPOs every single Friday now. I'll tell you, our offense right now at IC Catholic, where our coach is probably 80% RPOs. We tag all of our runs with the pass. That's what we do because we play up tempo, we play spread, we don't huddle, we go fast, we want to put defenses in conflict. So how we can, when we practice against our offense in the summer, we will rotate versus three by one, push that free state to number three, and we'll take our outside linebacker or our slot corner and press them on number two. The reason we do that is to take away bubble. And you see, now understand, you see a lot more bubble playing at the lower level, right? Yeah. The reason why is because you have wider hash marks. Everyone in high school and college plays the field. There was a hash marks are so wide, you have a million yards out there to work. So you're going to go trips to the field all the time. And people throw more bowls because you have more open space to work with. So what we have done is we've taken our outside linebacker or if we're in nickel, we put our slot corner, we press them on number two. And that means if you've beaten it's hard to throw a bubble when someone's pressed to number two. And I'm saying a bubble to number three. Because you put an outside shade, you get over the top of that block, that bubble's gone. It's gone. And that's how we have eliminated bubble in that situation. We play corners to the front side. So we'll play a corner, corner off versus number one, press number two, our safety inside shade of number three that will weave and widen to split two and three, and then press the three safety strong. It gives us six in the box still. It gives us six in the box to play inside zone or outside zone or whatever the offense wants to run. And that backside corner is not going to be in solo coverage by himself. I don't want to take us too far uh, outside down the rabbit hole here, but uh, you talk about you know bumping the safety out over number three, taking the linebacker, putting him out over number two to take away those bubbles. We see it so often now uh, when projecting college linebackers to the NFL and seeing how much they play in space. You know, you I remember watching uh, guys like Ryan Shazier and Darren Lee at Ohio State. You know, Miles Jack certainly at UCLA. You can go down the list. So many talented linebackers that spend so much time playing out in the slot. That's not necessarily where they're going to spend most of their time in the NFL. When you view, how do you view that as, a, as an NFL evaluator when you're watching those young guys uh, and the binds that they're putting out in space, maybe not what they're going to be asked completely to do in the NFL where they may see more reps as a true stacked linebacker. How do you f- think that affects the evaluation? Well, I think, you know, if you look at this year, look at the two first-round linebackers, mm-hmm. Devin White from LSU and Devin Bush from Michigan, both top ten players, right? Four four speed run and hit. I call run and hit trait because they can get sideline to sideline. Um, they can play in space. They can buzz out to the curl, play in the hook, run with the seam, match to a tight end, and track the ball at the second level. And I think that's how you're doing that. Fran, if you're trying to project traits, how they fit into your system. You know, a perfect example I think is Deion Jones in the Atlanta Falcons, who played at LSU. And I think you were down at the Senior Bowl when, when Deion Jones was down there. I think, I, I think you were. I can't remember. But Deion Jones, during, during individual drills at the Senior Bowl, I thought he was a strong safety, the way he was moving. Someone said, that's a linebacker. See, you got to be kidding me. You know, I couldn't even move like that. And I was a safety, you know. So I was saying, man, he, he, this kid's super athletic. And I think, okay, now system fit. He's in the ideal system for him in Atlanta. Why? Because they play a lot of three-deep covers. Because he can play in space, and he can, he, he can buzz underneath. He can get sideline to sideline. He can track down a ball thrown to the flat. He can carry a seam. You know, and so for me, to answer your question, we're looking at college linebackers that are playing almost like we call it an adjuster position, 
where they can be that overhang linebacker who can sometimes be the sixth defender in the box, sometimes be an outside, almost like uh, you know, a big safety in that situation. And they're the ones being read. They're the compact defender for those spread offense. Yeah. And that's why I brought up being able to, to play with you know, controlled read steps. That's where you want your best athletes. Because your best athletes can work through the mesh point and read through the mesh point and be able to come downhill and fit up in the B-gap or buzz back outside and take number three and a stick out. It's very hard to do. And that's the thing about RPOs. You know, everyone talks about them, Fran. They draw them up on the chalkboard. And I'm telling you, this stuff's great. This stuff has to be practiced time and time and time again, especially at the linebacker position. If you're going to stop RPOs, your linebackers have to be well-versed in their footwork, their eyes, and their angles to the football. It doesn't matter what, what coverage you're running. It really doesn't. You know, I think a prime example, Fran, is going back to the playoffs two years ago when Nick Foles and the Eagles versus that Atlanta Falcons defense. And they didn't run a ton of RPOs, but they did have success with Nick Foles reading the linebacker, right? And when the linebacker would, would settle his feet or sink, what would Nick Foles do? Hand the football off. You know, and with Philadelphia, you get a lot of pulling linemen, okay? And Philadelphia does their RPOs right because, you know, I guess the correct term for the old school term is the buck sweep, where you're handing the ball off out of the gun, you're pulling two guards. Sometimes in Philadelphia, you're pulling Kelsey and another guard to the edge. But one, because the NFL rules are different than college, and fans have to understand that. In the NFL, you only get three yards off, or one yard off the line of scrimmage. In college, you get three. In high school, they don't even call it. Guys, guys, five, six yards down the field, they don't call that stuff, right? So it really puts the defenders in confidence. At the NFL level, you want to you want to make that mesh point longer, and it becomes longer when you pull offensive linemen. It now becomes either an outside zone power type of play or a wide zone play, which gives in that situation Nick Foles more time to read the linebacker. And they were always right. Those RPOs they ran against the Falcons in that playoff game, they were always right. When the linebacker did come downhill, what they do? They do a slant right behind his head. That's what they did because there was the window. And the one thing that's why I wanted to bring this up is cover three teams. If you're a cover three team in the NFL, you've got to play match coverage now. You can't play static cover three against RPO teams. Man. You can't. Because what happens off of that is that linebacker attacks and run, and you've got your curl defender outside to sink into, sink into a spot. Well, the slant's going to, go, going to cross his face every time. Yeah. Every time. So what we've done at the high school level is we play three state. Okay? So the curl defender to the back because you assume the back is going to go opposite the quarterback on inside zone or wide zone. You're not going to make that play, okay? If, if, you, if you're the backside curl defender and you're making a play the front side of the formation, well, i got to take you out of the game. Because <laughs> you're not playing your responsibility. But one, there's no cutback now because you're chasing the ball. You're not playing smart defense. So why don't we just slow down that backside curl defender? Okay, you can still play cutback. But more importantly, you can match the number two away from the run action. Because most RPOs, the majority of them, friend, you're passing to the side away from the back, away from the back action, especially for a right-handed team with a right-handed quarterback. So let's slow down. Let's take that backside curl defender. Let's slow him down so you can match the slant or match the seat. To me, I go back to something you said earlier in the show where uh, you mentioned that it really comes down to fundamentals. And I, it, all, it almost brought me back a little bit um, to my days when I was at Temple and we would play, we, every year we played Army and Navy. So we saw two triple option teams on the schedule every year. And it, obviously it's a different set of, of game planning you know, when you're preparing for those kind of offenses. 
And to me, it was always like, oh, coach, you know, what, what do you, what do you guys, what, what's the plan to to go up against the triple option? I would always ask our coaches, uh, you know, every spring as we were putting those early game plans together. And it was the response was always, "Hey, it's all it's all about fundamentals. You know, you have to be able to defeat cut blocks. You got to be able to be uh, gap sound. You got to be able to run the alley and finish one on one if you're a safety. You know, coming down uh, to play against the pitch. Like those are all. It all came back to fundamentals. And, and to me, that's why I wanted to bring you on because you're obviously very schooled in defensive football. And I always think back to the story you actually just said it. That quote uh, when your RPOs are run at a high level." You know the offense or the defense can't be wrong or can't be right. The offense is always going to be right, uh, and so to me, when you say it always comes back to fundamentals, and that's how you limit those plays from you know three four yards to becoming uh, those big chunk yardage. That's really what it ultimately comes down to is the fundamentals. Always, always that way. It, it's always it, it, game plans are great. Game plans are great, and, and I love game plans. And, and you know what I'm working with Greg. Cosell, our matchup, we focus a lot on the schematics of football and offense and defensive game plans and what NFL teams are doing. If you can't execute that game plan, it doesn't really matter. It doesn't. It doesn't. So if I, let's think about this. If I'm an NFL coach and I'm a defensive back coach and I'm working with the linebackers as well, you got to dedicate a couple days of OTAs to just, just defending RPO. You have to start now. You have to start now. You have to rep that stuff now. You have to have your linebackers going through the reach steps and slowing down the reach steps to do that stuff now. If you want to start playing some trap coverages, you know, we start doing it at the high school level. The trap coverage is when the cornerback is aligned over number one versus two-by-two sets, and he's going to read inside the number two. So if number two breaks out, he's going to jump it and drop number one to the safety over the top. That's a trap coverage. And more and more teams are doing that at the high school and college level to take away we call it VO, vertical out. Vertical out is the number one outside runs a fade or a go route. Number two runs a quick stick out. What they're trying to do is clear that corner out of there and throw the stick, especially on third downs at the lower level. But now you're seeing it attached to, to runs and RPOs. So you're seeing inside zone plus vertical out. Okay. So if you play man coverage yet, uh, yeah, that's great. And one thing I'll say about man coverage, friends, before we get there, you got to have the guys to, to do that, Okay. And I quickly learned that as a high school coach. Hey, hey, tell the head coach, hey, let's play man coverage. That's great, but you got to have four or five guys that can do it. If you don't, hey, man, that, that, that can get you in some serious trouble. <laughs> so, and I learned the hard way as a high school coach saying, we got to play man, we got to play man, and then we're getting smoked over the top because we can't play man everywhere on the field. So if you can't play man coverage all the time, still on some trap coverage will work. And now you can take away that. If they throw the ball to the flat, that should be a pick or a really solid tackle at the point of attack. And, again, if he catches it in five yards, shake the offensive hand, offensive quarterback's hand and say, good play, man, but you have five yards. We're coming back in second down to get you. Um, but it is fundamental. It is. You can't defend RPOs if you can't attack. You just can't. You cannot. You can't defend RPOs if you don't take good angles to the football. You just can't. If you want to say we're going to play man coverage, one, you better be able to do it. You better be able to challenge routes. It's one thing to line up and press. And look all sweet, you know. Have your shoes spatted, like I used to do. You know, look, look, look nice, right? As defensive back, you have to look nice, and every every former defensive back will tell you that. And have the nice stance, and and, and and to look solid, and then get smoked off the line of scrimmage. Doesn't matter, right? Doesn't matter. You want to play man? We're gonna play man. We're gonna take away RPOs, but we can't jam. We can't challenge routes. Well, you better switch to something else because that's not gonna work. Especially against Doug Peterson, that offense, you're done. 
you're done. And, and here's the other thing. You play man coverage and you don't communicate pre-snap, doesn't matter what your technique is. Because you're going to get rubbed off by those Eagles wide receivers. They're going to rub you inside they're going to, and you're going to run slant flat on you all day long. And, that, and you know, Carson wants to be back there throwing the slant ball. And then if you have a free safety, doesn't take a proper angle and doesn't tackle, now you're talking about a plus 25-yard game off the slant route attached to an inside zone. So there's a lot of things that, you, friend, you and I can sit together for an hour on the chalkboard and say, let's take this away, let's do that, let's put our DBs here, let's have the overhang linebacker read two. That's great. If you don't play the fundamentals, none of that stuff matters. And I have one more thing. One thing you're seeing more at the lower levels because at the lower levels, your RPOs, a lot of times, you all set to defend quarterback run. And obviously you don't see that a lot at the NFL level. We understand that. We have to defend quarterback run. So what teams are doing is they're pressuring and they're attacking the next point. And what that does is that speeds up the process for the quarterback. Now he doesn't have time to have that long ride to the next point because he got a, he got an outside linebacker or safety blitzing off the edge. Now you have to read. Get the, if you have to read and throw, you better get it out quickly. Okay, and, and again, you're trying to create panic for the offense. You're trying – because with RPOs, like you said, the offense can't be wrong. If they count the numbers and make the right read, they can't be wrong. So what defenses can do is try to take back or control that, that tempo more. So we're going to pressure. You can pressure out of your, your sub package. Bring overload pressure. Again, now you can speed up the process. And, but, again, with overload pressure, you have to have guys that are dropping correctly, getting to the area. Matching underneath, there's a lot of things that go into it. But I love that you said that because I'm a firm believer in football is 100% fundamental based. That will never change. No matter, you know, we, we, we talk about this all the time, Sam, because it's our job. You know, the game of football is evolving. It is. It's starting at the levels, uh, the level I coach at, the high school level. That's where it's starting and moving up through college into the program. But it's still the same fundamentals you probably learned in high school, same fundamentals I learned in high school comes down to hitting the sled. <laughs> that stuff never changes, man. Right. It just really doesn't. I mean, if you can't hit the sled, man, you can't play. You can't. You can't. No matter what offense you have. doesn't matter if you got five wristbands and a towel on. It doesn't matter. And a visor. doesn't matter. It does not matter. So, hey. So let, let me ask this question. Before I uh, before I put a ribbon on this uh, on Matt, really the the last question I have for you is: you talked about the 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 controlled read steps that a linebacker or an overhang defender has to have, you know, playing in the slot if they're going to be that that conflict defender. Is it the same kind of coaching point for a safety if it's going to be like a third level RPO if they're going to if the the offense is calling like kind of a a third level read? Do you, is it the same kind of coaching point there? I think it is, and it's, I love that you brought up third level RPO. That's that's almost cheating for the offense. It really is, especially. <laughs> And again, we're seeing more and more and more split safety defenses in the NFL now. Yeah. Um, they're going to read that weak side safety. And, man, that is so tough because everything is telling you run. Everything is telling you run. Okay, so there are going to be times when that safety is going to fly downhill. Because so that tackle, which you should, if you're on a weak side, let's say the weak side of trips, and your, your job as a safety is to read the tackle, he'll tell you run back every turn. So... High hat versus low hat. So when that safety, when that tackle blocks down, you're thinking inside zone, you're coming downhill. And what, what are they going to do? They're going to throw what a lot of coaches call the glance route. And the glance route is really just a skinny poke or a bang eight. Some coaches call it a bang eight. Yep. Well, now that falls in your cornerback. It goes back to what we were talking about, technique and fundamentals. As a quarters, 
that a corner a cornerback in quarters coverage. You have to stay on top of number one. Okay, you have to stay on top of number one because there are going to be situations in those third level RPOs where that weak side quarter safety is gone. And look, look, friend, it's no different than a route that Philly runs a, a bunch. Every NFL team runs it. I just call it the pin route, P-I-N. It's a post outside with number two running an in route. Yeah. Okay? And number two can run a stick, whatever. It doesn't really matter. But number two is there to influence the safety. So when the safety bites the number two, they're going to throw the post behind. Well, all the time, that corner, you can't be in a trail position outside. You can't get beat at corner. You can't assume your safety is going to be there. Because there's going to be time where, he, first of all, understanding the safety. Naturally, his mindset is over-aggressive. That's what he is. He's, a, he's an aggressive, physical, downhill player. That's what safeties are. So he's going to be gone. If there's a route that breaks at 10 to 12 yards in, in course, he's going to jump it. So you have to be on top. You have to be on top to take away that post. No different than third-level RPO. Now you're just replacing that number two wide receiver in trips. I mean, in two-by-two, two, now we're in a trips formation. You're just replacing that with the run. Now the run is influencing that safety. The run is occupying and removing that safety. That corner, you got to be on top. you got to be on top because that is a cheat code for the offense. It is a cheat code. Because if I'm coaching the, deep, the defensive back, I'm telling my safety, again, we talk about flat foot read at the top of the show. Even with a flat foot read, you take a step downhill, then afterwards, a good quarterback, a Carson Wentz, he's going to throw the football right past your ear. You're not even going to see it. He's going to be playing the run coming downhill. So that falls to your cornerback outside. To say, okay, three by one, what am I going to do? Well, I'm going to put my corner inside now. I, I got to put my corner back a little inside. All right? So you can take away that, that glance route. And I have to have him stay on top. Whether if, if he's off man and pedaling and weaving to stay on top, or if, or if he's impressed. One, I got to impact the release. And I got to stay inside on that bottom hit to take it away. I have to take that away. And that comes down to fundamentals and execution. And knowing your teams you're playing against. Yeah, you know, an NFL team is not just going to suddenly start running third level RPOs in week nine. They're going to do it in the preseason. They're going to do it in week one. That's that's who they are. So you have to know your personnel as well. Yeah, you mentioned it was a cheat code for the offense. That's a cheat code that Baylor back in the day and Oklahoma State, a lot of those teams out of the Big 12, they just make a killing uh, off those third-level RPOs. All right, so Matt, uh, real quick, just to kind of sum it up for the listeners, I'm going to just go through the kind of the bullet points, basics to try to defend the RPO. If you can, you want to try and play more single high. If possible, you'd like it to be man-to-man coverage. If not, you want to try and go single high, cover three match. You want to go pattern match zone scheme. But then ultimately it still comes down to fundamentals. Gap discipline in the run game, being able to tackle one-on-one, and those controlled read steps from those conflict defenders, those guys where you expect are going to be put in conflict more often than that. Did I miss anything else in there, or did that pretty much uh, sum it up? That pretty much sums it up. With split safety versus three-by-one sets, I would push that weak safety to number three. That's what I would do, and I'd man up that backside corner. That, that's how I would attack it. Because now you can take away the pop pass inside, and you can still react to the free safety if it's not RPO. Okay, this is everything you have to remember. Sure. They're not going to tell you when they're doing it. Right. Right? They're not going to tell you. So eventually you've got to play football, and that's where your eyes come into play. Your eye discipline is the defensive back and the second-level linebacker. Your eyes shouldn't lie to you. They shouldn't lie to you. Right? So eventually you've got to play with your eyes. I've always said this. There, there's going to be, in an NFL game, and I know coach Steve Jackson is my defensive back coach in Washington, put it best. You should have four plays you know that are coming in every NFL game. Four plays you can get a jump on the ball and make an impact play for your team. Mm. The 76 other plays, hey, you just got to play football. 
read your keys and play. And that's the best thing about playing defense. It's not robotic. It's not scripted a lot. You don't know what's coming. It's, it, it, every, every play is a new chance to do something great. Every play. And, and that's the great thing about playing defense football is now you can just be a football player. If you trust your fundamentals, uh, you trust your technique, you trust your eyes, you study going into the week, your game prep is good, you're physically ready to play, now you're going to have a great time out there. The best thing in the world. Well, Matt, really, really appreciate the time here on the Eagle Eye in the Sky podcast, fueled by Gatorade. We'll be sure to talk to you again soon. All right. Thank you, Frank. So I don't know about you guys, but I just learned a lot from Matt in that segment. And if you have a young Eagles fan in your life that wants to learn more about the game of football or just about the Eagles in general, then we've got a great opportunity for you. It's called the Eagles Kids Club. And share the tradition of Eagles football with the young fan in your life with an Eagles Kids Club membership. For just $20, members receive an amazing welcome kit invites to special events like the annual Halloween party, opportunities to win Eagles prizes with monthly contests, and so much more. Visit PhiladelphiaEagles.com slash Kids Club to sign up today. Great stuff this week from Matt Bowen and all of you out there listening, whether you're on Apple Podcasts or Stitcher, TuneIn, Spotify, Google Play, and anywhere our podcast can be found. And you know how much I appreciate everybody that promotes this podcast on all forms of social media. You can follow Matt at MattBowen41. I'm at FDuffy3. That's where I promote all of our podcasts and all of our X's and O's content at PhiladelphiaEagles.com. And for everybody out there that is shared, I really appreciate it. But the number one way to support this show and all the rest of our podcasts, go on to Apple Podcasts, go on to Stitcher, wherever you listen, leave a rating and leave a comment. And I want to give a shout out this week to someone who went on to our Apple Podcast page and left a question. That's Rich Bobby, who left that five-star review and this question. Fran, there's always talk about moving guys from one offensive line position to another. I understand it is much easier to say than to actually do. This offseason, there's been a lot of speculation about moving the bodyguard, Jason Peters, or Jordan Mailata inside to guard if Brandon Brooks is not ready for week one. What are the biggest challenges to such a move, and why do you think we don't see it happen more often in the league? Thank you, Fran. So, Rich, it's a great question. I think ultimately, when you look at moving guys along the offensive line, number one, when you move from left to right, you're asking somebody to reverse everything that they do. It's almost, it's not quite, but it's kind of similar to me saying, you know what, I want you to write with your left hand. I want you to drive with your left foot on the pedal instead of your right foot. Uh, you're doing things that are a little bit unnatural to you. Some guys have experience doing both. They have that uh, ambiguity to be able to go back and forth. Not everybody was asked to do that, though, and so that's one thing. Then the other part of it is that things are a little bit different at tackle as opposed to guard. A tackle... You're a little bit more in space, and with guards, things happen faster. You're dealing with bigger bodies, so your pass set's going to be a little bit different. Your the guys you're going up against are going to obviously be built a little bit differently. So your skill set, what you're going to do from a technical standpoint, is going to change a little bit. So there is a little bit of an adjustment there, and some guys are able to make that change. Other guys are not. You can talk to one player and say, "Is hey, is it easier to move from tackle to guard or from left side to right side, regardless of position?" Some guys prefer one. Some guys prefer the other. Some guys aren't able to do either. And so really it ultimately comes down to an individual standpoint. And Ultimately, you want to get the five guy, the best five guys on the field. That's what Jeff Stoutland and what Mike Groh and Doug Peterson, they're going to do. That's what every coach wants to do. They want to get the five best offensive linemen on the field. But it's not just about who the five best are. It's who, uh, who are the best five at those positions. They want to make sure that they get the guys that are going to best fit together from a continuity standpoint, from an effective 
effectiveness standpoint that can execute the scheme as it's being called upon uh, by Doug Peterson on a week-to-week basis. So that's what this whole process is for. This, all this in the spring and the summer leading up through the end of training camp into the preseason. All that will get sorted out in terms of who's going to be where when week one comes uh, against the Washington Redskins. But it's a great question, Rich. I'm really glad that you went on. Thank you to all, thank you to you and all of you out there for your continued support of this show and all the rest of our podcast offerings at PhiladelphiaEagles.com. All right, I think that'll do it. Another show in the books here. Thanks again to Matt Bowen for joining us here on Chalk Talk on the Eagle Eye in the Sky podcast, fueled by Gatorade. We'll see you next week.